We are looking in John chapter 7, continuing on the chronological life of Jesus. We spoke last time about the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles. It's, it's referred to in both ways in the scriptures. And we talked a lot about what this feast meant. It was a seven-day feast. For the first six days, they would, they would get water from the Pool of Siloam and march on up from the outer court to the inner court, up these 15 steps where they would sing the, the Psalms of Ascent. And uh, we, 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 we mentioned the Songs of Ascent and how they're even listed that way in the book of Psalms and how there were 15 of them because there were 15 steps that went up, actually from step 1 to the, the 15th step. Uh, they would go up and they would say each one of these. And it was at this feast, they knew that Jesus was going to show up because every male in Israel was required to show up to this feast if they were going to walk according to the law of Moses, which Jesus did perfectly. They were required to go up to the three feasts a year, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths being one of them, one of those three feasts per year. We have just entered the last six months of Jesus' life. So we're following the chronological life of Jesus. We have covered um, his, his ministry, and now there's just six months left, because from the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles to the Passover is six months. And so this is October of that year. <clears throat> we don't know the exact date, because they, they go by the lunar calendar. Uh, we could back, back calculate the exact date, I suppose. Um, but but it's, it's sometime in October this fall. And let's pick it up from verse, verse 15. The Jews then, this John 7, verse 15, the Jews then were astonished, saying, How has this man become learned, having never been educated? So Jesus answered and said to them, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone is willing to do his will, he will know the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak from myself. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who, seeks, he who is seeking the glory of one who sent him, he is true and there is no unrighteousness in him. So we covered last time how Jesus said that how they were amazed that, that he being uneducated, how he knew all of this. And remember, he, they assumed that he was from the Galilee because that's where he grew up even though he was born in Bethlehem. And there were no great schools in the Galilee. So if one wanted to get religious teachings, they had to be uh, down in Jerusalem. And so how did he get all of this religious teaching? Well, we talked about how it says in Isaiah, it says prophetically of Jesus that he awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. This was something prophetic about how Jesus would be spoken to. So as Jesus grew up, God the Father was instructing him and speaking to him morning by morning as a disciple. And we talked about how if we would set our hearts to learning the Word of God, it would help us in every facet of our lives. What can I leave you as students? You know, I can get you all pumped up with a great, great, uh, you know, some great word of encouragement. But that's not the best thing that I can leave you with. The best thing that I can leave with you with is a love for the Word of God. Because I know, if you get into this Word, you will be okay. If you learn to get into the Word of God, you will be okay. The tragedies, the pains that hit everyone in life will still hit you. 
But the way you get through it will be very different if you make this Word of God your daily meditation. There is no prescribed blessing for meditating on the Word of God for reading it three days a week. There's only a prescribed meditation, prescribed word of blessing for meditating on the Word of God every day. That's what it says. I know you're busy folks. You're really busy. Probably some of the most busy people on earth you are. But you need to set aside time to be in the Word of God. You need to set aside time to be in the Word of God. This is how Jesus learned it. Then he says in verse 17, If anyone is willing to do his will, he will know of the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak of myself. Verse 17, If you do the will of God, you will know my teaching. This is what he's saying to them. If you had walked in the law of Moses, to them, their instruction was to walk in the law of Moses. Had they been walking in it, they would have recognized him. If we are willing to do His will, we will recognize this Word of God and how holy it is. In the end of, of Ecclesiastes, it says, this is what you have to do. Fear God and keep His commandments because this applies to all people. Jesus said in the New Testament, if you love Me, you will keep My commandments. He also said, if you keep My commandments, you will abide in My love. If we keep the commandments of God, we will abide in His love. If we love Him, we will keep His commandments. Jesus said, if, you're, if you do My will, you will recognize of this teaching. If the Scriptures are becoming to you something of you know, no real excitement, something, uh, uh, something kind of ho-hum and, and somewhat lethargic, that is because you've not been in the Word of God. If you are in the Word of God, it will do something in your life that is powerful. If you're in the Word of God... You will recognize of this teaching that it is true. It is not Jesus' fault that this Word of God is not coming alive for you. It is your fault. It is my fault. Jesus is very clear. He's very clear. He says, if you're willing to do my will, you will know of my teaching, whether it is God or whether it is not. You will recognize the teaching of God if you are in the Word of God. And I'll tell you, when I start becoming a little bit dreary, when I feel the Word of God becoming a little bit dreary in my life, you know what I do? I go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is just the longest book of the Bible, and all it does is talk about the greatness of the Word of God. You read through Psalm 119. It will show you how powerful the Word of God is. Say, Lord, speak to me through this passage. Lord, speak to me through this passage so that this word becomes real in your life. You know, I, I cannot just come in here and talk all about something and then just wrap up with one little verse. I can't do it. This is our teaching. This word of God. And if we're willing to obey the word of God, if we're willing to obey it, we will recognize that this teaching is indeed of God. It is the scriptures. It is the word of God. Jesus said, if anyone is willing to do his will, he will know of the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak of myself. Now, let's look at verse 19. Did not Moses give you the law? And yet none of you carries out the law. Why do you seek to kill me? The crowd answered, you have a demon. Who seeks to kill you? So, Jesus said, Moses gave you the law? He says, but none of you observe the law. You see some... Uh, you know, you, you may go to Jerusalem and see these people that look very holy. They don't observe the law. In fact, 
uh, a Jew today can only observe about one-third of the 613 commandments that, that, Jesus, that, that Moses gave them from God. Because two-thirds of them revolve around temple worship. So only about one-third can be observed, and they don't even observe all of those. And ha- how do I know? Because I've watched them. They don't observe all of those. Jesus said to them, you don't observe the law of Moses. Had you been observing the law of Moses, you would have recognized my teaching. And then he says, he says, here's another characteristic of how you don't observe the law of Moses. You desire to kill me. And they say, the crowd answered and they said, you have a demon. Who seeks to kill you? So remember before, it was only the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the, the, the leaders that said that Jesus had a demon because they had to explain away somehow the works that he was doing because he was doing the very works that they themselves had taught that only Messiah would be able to do. To heal a man born blind. To be able to heal a Jewish leper. These are the types of things to be able to cast out a demon from a man who, was, who, who could not speak, from a man who was dumb. Those are the three things that the Pharisees and the Sadducees themselves had taught only Messiah would be able to do. When Jesus did those, they had to explain it away. They said, well, he did it because he works for the demons. That's how he could do it. But now, it's the crowd. So this has morphed from a leadership thing to even now the masses are saying, Jesus has a demon. And, and uh, uh, so that's what they said to them. And, and they said, who seeks to kill you? Then Jesus says in verse 21, I did one deed and you all marvel. For this reason, Moses has given you circumcision, not because it is from Moses, but from the fathers. And on the Sabbath, you circumcise a man. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses will not be broken, are you angry with me because I made an entire man well on the Sabbath? Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. So, he says that, that uh, he gives them an example. He gives them an example. He says, Moses gave you circumcision. Jesus is very clever. And he says, actually, it didn't come from Moses directly. It came from the fathers because Circumcision started with Abraham. Moses then, later through Moses, it came as a law to Israel that on the eighth day they were to circumcise their male children. Well, they're not supposed to work on the Sabbath day, Saturday. Well, what if the eighth day happens to fall on a Saturday? What do you do? Well, they still circumcise the child because the rabbis taught that circumcision is higher than Sabbath in that we have to observe the eighth day circumcision even though we have to work on the Sabbath to do it. He said, you yourselves accept that you still circumcise on the eighth day. That you have put something above the do not work on the Sabbath. So when I make a man entirely well on the Sabbath, when I heal a man on the Sabbath, why are you upset with me? So you see what he did. He took something that they do and that they accept and he turned it right back on them. He said, you're coming against me for making a man entirely well on the Sabbath day? You you guys yourself, you, you, you circumcise people on the Sabbath day, circumcise children on the Sabbath day, if it happens to be the eighth day. So you see the hypocrisy in what they were doing. Jesus was just exposing to them a little bit about their hypocrisy. And he says to them in verse 24, Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Judge with righteous judgment. Judgment. I mean, this is a powerful verse. Judge with righteous judgment. Look over in, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. 
Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. He says the word of God is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Jesus said you judge with righteous judgment. Judge with righteous judgment. Judge the thoughts and then the intentions of the heart. You know, this thing of intentions is really important. Our whole legal system is based on intent. For example, if, if, uh, if somebody is driving down the road and they lose control of their car and they run over somebody, that is not first degree murder. That is manslaughter. I killed somebody I never intended to. So, that is different than second-degree murder. Second-degree murder being, uh, I just happened to get in an argument with somebody, and I got angry, and I hit him over the head with a, with a metal pole, and it killed him. That's second-degree murder. First-degree murder is, I woke up in the morning and say, I really want to go out and kill that person. Then I'm planning on it. It, just didn't, it didn't happen in just a fit of rage. But you see that ultimately, all three of those, a person is dead. But we value intent. What was the intent in all of this? One was, it was a mistake. I just lost control of the car. It was a mistake. Another was, I was in a fit of rage. I, I, I'm really sorry, I hadn't planned to do this. And the third one being, no, first degree murder. I had planned and calculated that I was going to go and kill that person. Intent. Children, young children don't, don't understand intent. So in other words, if you take a three-year-old and you show them a video clip, Show them a video clip of a, of a young boy <clears throat> that's walking along and accidentally drops five plates on the ground and they all break. And then show them a video clip of a boy with a plate and he gets angry and he just throws the plate down on the ground. You say to the three-year-old, which one was worse? They will say the one with five plates. Because they don't value yet intent. They just see five plates broken, one plate broken, five plates is worse. That's something of intent. I was reading an article a few years ago that, that you can take an adult and you put a strong magnetic field right behind their ear and their valuation of intent goes away. They can no longer value intent. It's just sheer five plates versus one plate sort of thing. So even within our brain... There is some, there's an area that deals with intent. This is what the Word of God is saying, that the Word of God judges, it says in, Rome, in, in Hebrews chapter, chapter 4, verse 12, it's able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Scripture goes, and it judges my thoughts and my intentions. Lord, I never intended to do that. It's very different than if I intended to do this. They are judging Jesus by this law that says, do not heal on the Sabbath. They're not judging him by, look at this man who has been made well on the Sabbath day. You see what I mean? Jesus said, this is what the Word of God does. And, 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 and God very much decides in our lives about our intent. What was our intent in all of this? You know, it, it, it talks about in... in, in uh, Psalm 19, in Psalm 19 there's this passage, it ends with Psalm 19 verse 14, it says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. 
let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable. You know, God wants not just influence over what I do, but He wants influence over even what I think about. Do you see how lofty and ethic God has put before us? I was having a conversation with a man in Israel once, and, and uh, he said, oh, Christians have it, have it uh, so much easier. You just ask forgiveness and it's done. I said, no, no. Jesus has raised the bar very high on us. Raised the bar very high. Because, because uh, uh, it's not... In, in, in other words, Jesus said, if you look at a woman to lust for her, you've committed adultery with her already in your heart. It is not just the mere act of adultery. It is even the look and the thought that makes you guilty of adultery in God's eyes. He looked at me, and this, this is a, an Orthodox Jew. He says, oh, that's too much. Who could ever live like that way? He said, that's what he calls us to. You see, God wants all of us. But he wants us not to make judgments with, with just, okay, this is the law, this is the law. If he knows our intent. He wants to understand the intent. So Jesus is calling them back to this. He says, there's something much grander here. He says, don't you even see it? You yourselves do it. You yourselves work on the Sabbath day to perform the act of circumcision. I made a whole man well. And you're upset with me. Judge me with righteous judgment. The scriptures, it says, judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This is why I want you to get back in the scriptures. Get in the scriptures. Let the scriptures be your life. So that you read the scriptures and let it speak to you. Go, uh-oh. I need, I need to get my act together here. Look what the scriptures have taught me this day. Without this, I don't know how a man, how a woman knows what they're doing is right or wrong. You've got to be in the scriptures. Let it speak to you. Let the scriptures speak to you. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Well, I don't know what the commandments of Jesus are. Well, you better start reading. There's 150 commandments in the New Testament. We're not under any of the 613 in the Old Testament. Now, nine of the Ten Commandments, uh, you know that Ten Commandments that, that, that Moses brought down from the mountain? Nine of those are embodied in New Testament commandments. So we're under nine of those. The one that we're not under is the Sabbath day. And because of that, uh, God can give a rest, but the Sabbath day, remember, is Saturday. It is not Sunday. You say, well, we'll celebrate it on Sunday. It, no. It was very specific. It went from Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. That is the Sabbath day. We are no longer under that. Had we been under that, He would have told us in the New Testament. But there's about 150 commandments in the New Testament that will keep us busy. Read them. Read them. Follow them. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, Jesus said. Okay, let's, let's look on in verse 25. So some of the people of Jerusalem were saying, Is this not the man whom they are seeking to kill? Look, he is speaking publicly, and they are saying nothing to him. The rulers do not really know that this is the Christ, do they? However, we know where this man is from. But wherever the Christ, whenever the Christ may come, no one knows where he is from. Then Jesus cried out, in the temple, teaching and saying, You both know me and know where I am from, and I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. I know him because I, I am from him, and he sent me. 
So they were seeking to seize him, and no man laid hands on him, because his hour had not yet come. But many of the crowd believed in him. And they were saying, When the Christ comes, he will not perform more signs than those which this man has. Will he? So you see that Jesus is again speaking parabolically. He's speaking in parables. This is what he is doing. Remember the, 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 uh, unfor- the unpardonable sin? From that day, it says, he only spoke to the masses in parables. He never spoke to them without a parable. The scriptures say it. After that day, he never spoke to the ma- parables, with, he never spoke to the masses without a parable. But to his disciples, he would meet with them and explain to them all things. We've looked at those verses. This is what it says. Jesus is again speaking parabolically. They, they're not getting it. Some are coming to believe, but the masses are just not getting it. So in verse 32, the Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him, and the chief priests and the Pharisees sent officers to seize him. So remember, when it says the chief priests, that means the Sadducees. The Sadducees had the, had, had the priesthood. And then the Pharisees, they were both, Pharisees and Sadducees were, 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 on the, were of the 70 on the Sanhedrin. It was two-thirds Sadducees, one-third Pharisees. And they sent officers. So these are temple officers. Remember, Rome was in control, but they had temple officers. They were sent these temple officers to get them. Therefore, Jesus said, For a little while longer I am with you. When I go, uh, then I go to him who sent me. Verse 34. You will seek me and you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. The Jews then said to one another, Where does this man intend to go that, he, that we will not find him? He is not intending to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and to teach the Greeks, is he? What is this statement that he said? You will seek me and you will not find me and where I am, you cannot come. So you see, they're not understanding what he's saying because he is speaking in parables. He said, from now on, because of the sin, the unpardonable sin, ever since that time, he is speaking in parables and the masses just weren't getting it. And then something interesting happens. In uh, verse 37. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast. Okay, what is the great day of the feast? Remember, this feast is seven days. That last day, they would do something, they would do even more than they were doing every day of the feast. They would actually, instead of marching once around, uh, they they would go from, from, from the outer court to the inner court, and then they would march one time around. Here they would march now seven times around on that last day of the feast. This was in the second temple period. That's what they would do. So that's why it's called the great day of the feast. Jesus stood and he cries out saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in Him, were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus stands up on this last day of the feast, water being a hugely important part of this feast, as we talked about, all the water that was used in this feast, both the water and then the lighting of the lamps, which to this day is done. You go to the Feast of Booths in Israel, there's just lots and lots of lights all over the place. And so, 
Here he's speaking of water which the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders themselves, you can read from the Second Temple period, this first, first uh, uh, century, where they would say that this meant the outpouring of the Spirit. They themselves realized that the outpouring of water was to come. And Jesus stood and he says, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the Scriptures said, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. And the Scripture tells us very clearly then, this he spoke of the Spirit. The Spirit had not yet been poured out on them. The Spirit was poured out on certain individuals in the Old Testament. That is clear. David had the Spirit of God. Saul had the Spirit of God. It was taken from Saul. David had the Spirit of God. After his sin, he prayed in Psalm 51, Take not your Holy Spirit from me. That, is, that was a valid Old Testament prayer. That is not a valid New Testament prayer. Once someone in the New Testament receives the Holy Spirit, they have the Holy Spirit. It is not that we do something wrong and we lose the Holy Spirit anymore. The Spirit had not been poured out where it became a permanent part of the believer's life. But it was to be poured out, and this happened on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts, when the Spirit came upon the disciples, they started speaking in tongues, and then the Spirit started coming upon others that believed. Thousands of people the Spirit started coming upon. This is what he's speaking about. But he says, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scriptures said, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Most believers, now all believers, you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have the Spirit of God within you. Most believers do not have anything of the Spirit coming out of them. Because you talk to them and there's no substantive difference between them and the people of the world. To the extent that we're willing to come to Jesus and spend time with Him, the Spirit of God comes out. I can meet a very godly person, and I know instantly they're a very godly person. They just radiate with the power of God. And generally, what happens is, you ask the person, how much time do you spend with the Lord every day reading the Scriptures and in prayer? It's usually some substantial amount of time. And you see this richness in their life about the way they talk about people, about the things they say, about their attitude, and it doesn't mean that they're sinless, but they have the Holy Spirit so flowing out of them that you can see this in their lives. Has anybody ever met anybody like that, that they just, they just know that there's richness of the Spirit in their lives? You can talk to people like this. To the extent, Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. If we will come to Jesus and spend time with Him, I'm telling you the Holy Spirit starts to flow out through our lives. Do you neglect Jesus and don't spend time with Him? Nothing flows out of your life. People don't recognize any difference between you and the person of the world. And so if you say, well, I'm a Christian, they go, you are? Could have fooled me. What, are you in disguise or something? You spend time with the Holy Spirit People see something different in you. Even if you don't announce, hey, I'm a believer. You give a seminar. You can give, you can give a technical seminar. And people will recognize something different about you. They will recognize about you honesty. They'll recognize integrity. Something about you. I have given chemistry lectures. And people know nothing about me being a believer. They'll walk up to me and they'll say, are you a Christian? You can see it in people. 
if they've spent time with Jesus, the Spirit of God flows out of them. This is what Paul spoke about. He spoke about this power of God. This power of God flowing out of us, a person. Coming from this word, our word dynamite comes from this. That the power of God flows out of a person. He says, out of his, in, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. This water from this feast time spoke very much of the Holy Spirit. That was, was taught by the, by the rabbis. All this water that was poured out. It spoke of the Holy Spirit being poured out. Water being poured out. Out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. You don't spend time with Jesus, you will have no water flowing out. You spend time with Jesus, and the power of God will be flowing out through your life. It will affect how you think, how, how, how you talk about people. It will affect how you, how you uh, uh, deal with, with things in marriage, how you deal with your children. So much of this. Will we spend time with Jesus? Draws us back to the Word of God. He who believes in me, as the Scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water if we come to him thirsty and drink. Lord, fill me. Lord, I want to spend time with you. Lord, I need more time with you. And if you think that you spend sufficient time with the Lord, you're probably not spending sufficient time with the Lord. Because those who spend plenty of time with the Lord... Ask them, do you spend sufficient time with the Lord? Oh, no. No. I wish I would spend more time with Him. You see what I mean? We would look at them and say, oh, you spend so much time with God. You ask them, do you spend sufficient time? And they'll all say, no, I don't. I need more time with Him. I need more time with my Lord. I need to meditate on Him more. I need more of Him in my life. So there's this constant yearning for more. Constant yearning for more. This is what happens. If you feel that, oh, I've got enough of Jesus, that means you don't have enough of Jesus. Because the more we're with Him, the more we say, oh, I just need more of Him in my life. This is what will flow through you. Would you like to advance in your career? Spend time with Jesus. Would you like to have a successful marriage? Spend time with Jesus. Would you like to be a successful parent so that when your children grow up, they enjoy being with you? Spend time with Jesus. You will have the Spirit of God flowing out of you. Such a compelling character is Jesus. Become more like Him. His Holy Spirit will flow out of you. Let's pray. Father, I thank You so much for Your Word. And I pray, Lord, for these young people that You would so fill their lives with the power of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit would be so flowing out of them. Father, I pray that they would take Your Word and meditate on it and see the commandments that are there in the New Testament and follow them. Father, that they would abide in Jesus' love as they obey His commandments. And Father, I pray that you'd so fill them with the power of the Holy Spirit to spend time with Jesus, to spend time in your word. Father, that they would obey your word and so recognize the teaching that it is true. Father, please draw them close to Jesus, I pray. In thy name. Amen.